Let me tell you about a thrill. Now, I'm no expert on birds, but what I do know is that many of the calls that you can hear are birds looking down, warning each other that there's a beast below with an orange bob haircut and baggy brown corduroy trousers. I'm currently in a woodland in Devon, right by a 14th century farmhouse owned by a friend of mine. I've come for the week to spend time close to nature and so for this special episode of Billy Elliot's Adventure Club we'll be exploring the natural surroundings that we are so blessed with in England and ways in which connecting to the great outdoors and ourselves can promote better well-being. I'm standing below a beautiful squirrel jumping from tree to tree I've never felt more David Attenborough in my life. Welcome to Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. Prepare to feel calm and nourished for the next hour. Hello everyone, welcome to another very special edition of Billy Elliot's Adventure Club where this month we will be exploring nature and well-being. Now, for most of the production of this episode, I was stranded in the middle of nowhere and somehow was able to interview four very interesting people with their own personal take on working, living and enjoying the great outdoors. This is the perfect opportunity for healing and reflection as we speak to artistic gardeners, rune witches, lifelong farmers and a mindfulness practitioner. First up, we have William, a gardener who covers great distances of the southwest of England. You're listening to Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. Let's dive straight in with William. William, it's lovely to have you in Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. I would love to hear a little bit about you and to talk to you a little bit more about your experience of the outdoors. Firstly, though, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, well, yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm William. I, um, I'm a worker as a gardener in Dorset predominantly, but um, also um, in Devon. And I work in the area on the borders between Devon, Dorset and Somerset. Mm, that nice kind of crossover where they all link up. Yes, yeah, there's yeah. A, lot of, a lot of um connections yeah. and um also associations. Yeah, can you tell when you've crossed the border? Do you feel like oh, you know, just by looking around you, you know you're suddenly in Somerset? Yeah, not instantly, other than the signs, not instantly, yeah. but but in West Dorset uh, the landscape starts to become more like Devon, I think, where the uh, hedgerows become uh, become high banked. And the farms generally seem smaller and more condensed, which reminds me of a certain type of Devon landscape. Mm. So um, I think there are similarities there. And also the soil has changed in um, Dorset as you go further east. It becomes chalk, but uh, the soil becomes more tolerant of acid plants and um, there's clay as you progress west. And and the weather, the weather, the climate, and the, the terrain change mm. um, as you sort of meet the two counties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice to get a little bit of variation in your work there, and 
in terms of being a gardener and having different soil um, different landscapes. Yes, yes, it's very mm. interesting. Mm. And the, the climates uh, vary a little bit, especially near the coast, near Bridport. Um, there are sort of microclimates and, and the coastal uh, weather affects mm -hmm. what, what likes to grow there. Mm -hmm. um, into Devon, the soil seems quite, I would say, generally quite rich. So you mentioned microclimates there. For anyone listening who doesn't know what that really means, could you explain? Well, as a rough idea, it's when um, the terrain affects... Um, probably shelter for things like frost, um, ad additional warmth because you might get um, brightness and a milder climate near the coast, um, less inclined to frost. Different uh, altitudes of affects um, uh, what you can grow. High ground obviously could be more exposed to frosts and extreme extreme weather. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's a, a subtle thing. Mm -hmm, in You've mentioned to me previously to this that you're also an artist and photographer as well as a gardener. Um, yes, yes, at least to some extent. Yeah, would you say that there's quite a lot of links between all those things? Well, yes, maybe not not that noticeable when once initially when you're doing things. Obviously, gardening's very physical, and um, photography can seem um, very instant. But um, I think ultimately, once you start to reflect on things, or when I, once I started to reflect on things you see that they're all about your relationship to the world. I like what you said then about how photography is instant. Um, I, I, I personally have had experience working on a permaculture community, but I'm actually, I think, a little bit impatient for gardening and for plant life. I absolutely love it and I love to appreciate it, but actually growing it takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? Do you think that having that sense of patience and waiting for things to grow helps you to exercise that patient muscle in you for other parts of your life yes i think you have to uh, with gardening patience may be thing but it's the the main thing i would say even more than patience is that you have to respond rather than um, set out with a clear objective you have to respond to what's actually happening mm. um, rather than imposing uh, your ideas too much on the outside but i think really that's the same with photography and art. Once the initial excitement's gone, you have to search more in a long-term way mm. to, un to understand those things. I like what you said then about responding in a garden and to responding to what's happening already. Can you give us an example of something that you've had to respond to? Um, well, the first, I mean, one thing obviously is with, with the soil. There are only certain possibilities with um, what's going to like growing there. So that would be the first thing, the soil, um, whether the garden has a lot of moisture, it has springs or is, is boggy or is dry under trees. So those, those would be the first things. What, what's happy to be there? There's all, always creatures there with their own ideas about what to eat on, or leave alone. And so that's another aspect. The weather has an effect. Mm. The seasons seem to be changing far more extremely mm -hmm. than they, they did in the past and um, that's something to take account of and also I, I, I suppose people's expectations change over time over how a garden works for them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what they need from it yeah yeah I, I've noticed this garden which we're sitting in at the moment which is very beautiful has kind of almost because I've been here every year for the last couple of years almost become slightly more wild in a kind of controlled way would you say that's right yes it's what well, the sense of, of finding a balance is is always what I, I try and search for with it with a garden there's always going to be some wildness but it's it's finding the the best balance 
or um, and well, that's always a search, but mm-hmm. yes, finding mm-hmm. a better balance and um, encouraging the diversity of uh, plants and wildlife. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you can definitely sense that here for sure. A, a, a wide range of beings and plants and colours. It's very, very beautiful. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I think so too. Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I'd love to know what made you become a gardener. Well, lots of things. A love of environment and uh, a love of light, um, feeling connected to the world, feeling that that it's a, a real relation to the world rather than a, a system or, or a formulation. So that well, confirms one's sense of reality to some degree. For example, plants um, either thrive or don't thrive. It's, it's not um, not so much a matter of opinion or a matter of preference one's own preference it's Mm -hmm. um you have to acknowledge their living response so i think that's what i mean by that sounds like a kind of relationship then between you and the the plants and the plant life Uh, yes well i said i feel an empathy for plants um we're obviously linked as living things uh, chemically and biologically with with plants and and other forms of life and we and we we share some common relationships and a need for light and food Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there's a strong sense of mm. uh, the interconnectedness of things. And and how does that make you feel then, being being really connected in that way? I said, well, in a sense, a sense of inevitability that what what a human being is um, has grown out of a relationship to the world and the universe, and that that's not something that one can determine. It's it's um, preordained, as it were. Do you think that being a gardener really supports a greater sense of well-being in general for you? Um, for me, yes. Um, I think for most people that I know, it's, it's important. So, yes, I do. Um, I don't see it as exclusively gardening, um, because uh, um, also, uh, in you mentioning Devon as a place, uh, it's the, the Devon landscape and um, is, is ju- just as much um, a, a part of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you live in Dorset then? Um, I, I, yes, I live in Dorset, mm-hmm. fairly close to the border of Devon and the border of Somerset. Yeah, so you're kind of on that point. Yes, and, and they, they sort of, um, the boundaries seem to be quite close to river lines, so um, those meander, so it's, it becomes quite ambiguous. Um, and, and county lines have moved over time. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the villages were in Devon in the past that have become, and now in Dorset. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, um, yes, I, mean, I don't know the exact details. I mean, a bit like with gardening, as, as, as I was saying, there's... Uh, well, many of the things we have in life, the boundaries we create with language and um, territories and ownership are, are imposed. They're, they're, they're conventions, they're created. They're, this, they can seem, well, in different countries they differ. So for, for me, gardens are where our conventions meet nature. We try and make sense of the world in different ways um, from whatever perspective and... Um, but it's all rooted in nature. So for people who are new to gardening, who are listening now, do you have any suggestions of how they could get into gardening themselves? Um, I think I, starting with a garden, um, I would look at what, um, what inspires you about the area you're in and, um, and try and find the objectives quite soon of... Um, what you hope to achieve, whether it's um, outside living space or um, a greater connection with the environment or um, to encourage nature. Mm-hmm. And, um, and st- start quite si- simply, but um, 
but um, can be achieved in quite a small time because um, a lot of plants can be grown for that year and um, and then learn from there. Mm. Um, but uh, it can create a garden in a comparatively short time. It doesn't take decades necessarily and um, it, it could be a, in a few months. Mm. Uh, you could create um, some sense of um, your feeling for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I think um, yeah. it's, always, it's always possible. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of you starting some kind of podcast or radio show, How to Build a Garden in 12 Weeks. that might be good. When I interview people on the radio on this show, Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, I always ask their guests to set the audience a challenge. Um, it can be anything. Have you got any ideas what you could challenge the audience? Yes, I, su I suppose. Um, so I hope it's not a challenge in a way, um, but to really look at a tree and... Um, see its beauty mm. nice William thank you so much I think that was probably all we've got time for today but it's been great to talk to you thank you thank you now we move swiftly from gardening to ancient Germanic symbols as we sit around the fire with Annaline Leisure a prison librarian with an interest in the mystical effect of understanding the runes. This episode's about well-being. I think people emerging out of the lockdown, everyone's going through various waves and phases of differing well-being and um, sense of health. And seeing as we're in Devon, I thought it'd be really interesting to create an episode around well-being and countryside living, the amalgamation and the crossovers between them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when in Devon, we speak of well-being, but it's, it's all kinds of well-being and different ways that people tend to their to their own needs. You know, tarot has been a really great one for me and us yesterday, right? Just felt a bit of rain come down the chimney on my face. Oh. <laughs> and we're actually currently around the fire um, under a 14th century chimney. <laughs> yeah, you can see the rain pouring mm. from the top. Yeah. So we have... Annaline Leisure here. She's a good friend of mine, somebody who's come to stay with me in Devon. And I'm here to talk to her a little bit about a practice that she uses that really benefits her well-being. But first, Annaline, would you like to describe where we are? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, we're in a, an old farmhouse. Mm -hmm. I believe 14th century. Didn't you mention that earlier? Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of nowhere. Devon countryside. I'm a bit stranded here, aren't we, today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're home alone. The, uh, the homeowner has had to go away for a couple of days, our friend. Yeah. And we're kind of lucky enough to be looking after this place just between us. But the sun has gone in today and it's rainy, so we've had a cosy time on the fire. Yeah. But yes, feeling very, very grateful and lucky to be here and very much connected to this deep sense of well-being. Don't know if you agree, Annaline? Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> I, f I just wanted to quickly um, ask you as well, um, before we go on to talk about your practice, what your connection to Brighton is. Good. Oh, yeah. I came to Brighton a couple of years ago with my partner for his job and it turned out to be a really good decision for myself as well. At the time of my life. <laughs> but I was there for about one and a half years. Made a bit, a bit of a career change. Got my creative practice 
up and running. So yeah, Brighton has been a very inspiring place and the, the heart of all my friendships in the UK, my base. And you said that you had the time of your life. What kinds of things were you getting up to? <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, art, adventure. Yeah. Um, meeting new people. You know, things you can do anywhere, really. It's just when the time and the place and the people are right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it just becomes this great, magical thing, yeah. doesn't it? I'd love to know a little bit more about the difference between where you're from and Brighton and your experience with Brighton. We're, all, we're always the most critical for the place that we come from. Yeah. And for me, it has, especially in the past, been very much a place... I come from Belgium, by the way. Uh, it has always been a, a place where I just wanted to get away from. Mm. But I guess once you make that step and you, you get away from where you come from and you're confronted with other people and other places, you do get a different relationship where, where, with the place where you come from. And oh, we, could, we could talk ages about this because for me it's, it's very much a question of belonging. Was there anything in particular about Brighton that really pleased you? It's, it's the bubble of Brighton, isn't it? Lots of uh, creative people, positivity around, and willingness to change something in this world. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a very inspiring place. It just gives people the courage to, you know, do something. Go for it. Just take that risk. Okay, well, I'd love to talk more about your chosen interesting practice that supports your well-being do tell us yeah lately i've been dabbling with uh, the runes mm. um i've been meaning to for a long time i uh, had been collecting some books about about them mm -hmm. i picked up in various uh, places in brighton actually in the second hand bookshops for me it's a it's a form of play really and i think that's where the well-being point lies. It's stepping into that inner child of yours that believes in things that don't scientifically don't make entirely sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in the child's mind, they make totally sense. And it's just that, that curiosity and that willingness to discover and believe uh, that I find in... in in just playing around with the runes and getting to know them, because mm. I'm still still very much in the in a phase of getting to know the runes one by one. Mm -hmm. I pick one every month and then move on to the next one, but it takes a long time as they're 24, so mm. I'll be I'll be on it for two years. Amazing! <laughs> it's a great long long time commitment. Yeah, yeah. So for those who are listening who don't know what the runes are, mm. what are they? Oh well, I'm I'm not not a historical expert whatsoever, but um, they are they're linked to some um, Germanic and Nordic traditions, and they're basically um, some sort of an alphabet. And each character in that alphabet has been used in certain magical practices, where each of them symbolizes some form of our outside environment of nature. The, the forces of nature it could be the mountains it could be darkness it could be anything and um, people have used these kind of symbols for a long time and you can use them in your own spiritual practice in the way that 
I believe that everything that's outside in our environment is also present somehow in some form within us and it just gives us a bit of a, a vocabulary to speak about things that live within us mm -hmm. and to explore how we feel about those things and where we see them go or where we want to see them go. I don't know whether that, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes that. complete sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you feel like the, the runes have changed their meaning or the way that they've been used? Has it changed over time? Probably. Um, I've seen, I mean, there are some, some basic descriptions that you can find in most books about runes, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that are historically embedded. But in the end, everybody has to kind of explore them for themselves and mm -hmm. find how, how they respond and what they mean to this, this certain person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The rain has suddenly picked up quite a lot, yeah. hasn't it? I can feel it on coming down the chimney a lot more. <laughs> Good that we didn't go out for a walk. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> I was really wanting to know, actually, why or what about the runes caught your attention? Why, why the runes for you? I think I responded very well to them being connected to natural elements. Because, in a way, the, the, the way that people use the runes is very similar to what people do with tarot cards and other divination methods. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that connection to the outside world and mm. nature, that spoke to me. Does it help you, like, like tarot, tune into your intuition? Is it about that? It can be, if you decide it. So mm. Yeah, it can absolutely be. Mm -hmm. How did you find out about the runes? How did that come about for you? When did you first hear of them? Do you remember? Well, probably when I was a teenager, I was very much into discovering witchcraft, and I, I really devoured books on those topics as a mm. teenage recluse. Very cool. <laughs> I think that's how they came to me. Yeah, nice. I quite like that you are quite open to the idea of it being almost like a connecting into your childlike magic. That you were sort of saying before, that child in a child with a nurse who wants to believe something, there's some magic out there, and you're also saying that you can kind of get some insights as well from the runes as you go, you know, while, while connecting to nature. Is there anything particular you can think of that for you has felt a particular insight, or even just an example for the audience so they can kind of get a sense of how they can help or how they can be interpreted? You know, especially as you, as you just pick one rune to kind of get to know... It just helps you to explore that side of yourself because mm -hmm. obviously if you put, your, put a, your attention to a certain characteristic it will stand out and you will notice things that are connected to it. So mm -hmm. it's just a way of kind of exploring the whole of yourself gradually mm -hmm. and just being mindful of that part of you and seeing how, how you are dealing with it. Is it developing in the way that you like? Is it part of you that you perhaps dislike it's just discovery of yourself really. yeah i just finished uh, raidu mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> which for me really stands for well it's it's a rune that is about travel and movement but also for me very much connected to recurring movement and the recurrence of seasons and traditions and mm -hmm. certain rhythms that occur in our lives that help us have 
some kind of a stability, mm-hmm. and that was that that has been a very useful one in the phase that I was, you know, the the last months. Mm. In what way? Oh, just you know, settling in a new place and having all the life admin somehow sorted, and then you can finally start to settle in new patterns. And mm-hmm. That was a very very helpful one. Great. Yeah. So. Our theme for the show, as we were saying this this month for Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, is well-being and connecting to our well-being. We've kind of touched upon it, but is there anything else you can think of about how runes can support a well-being, a better well-being, from your perspective? Um, I just I I'd just say to people, you know, don't don't ditch things because they're they sound a bit wishy-washy or <laughs> you know just if if. If it tickles your fancy, just just go and discover it because it's in that it's really what I said before, you know, it's in that childlike mm-hmm. mentality, that mm-hmm. curiosity, that wanting to discover that that really lies the key to dealing with a lot of stuff in in, in the world and, and your your life. It's it's such a nice mind space to be. It's mm-hmm. just very pleasant. If if not useful, just pleasant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I definitely agree. I think that, like you were saying, with runes, there's a lot of scope to just get to know yourself. And I think that that is so important. Anyway, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to be open to the fact that we're constantly discovering who we are and what we're doing and why and what really motivates us to continue on, I guess, in the the way that we do. Okay, well, we're coming to the end of our lovely conversation, Annalene. And on a Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, I always like to set the listeners a challenge with a guest. So do you have any particular ideas of anything? Something that they can do, they can take away and perhaps give a go for the next month? I don't know. I, I Perhaps I'd like to keep it more more open for people that are not necessarily interested in the rooms. But I also associate it with that. And it's just to, to tell people to devise a little ritual. Mm. You know, get into that childlike spirit and collect some items or perhaps a rune that you carve into something that speaks to you. Make a little ritual out of it, like mm. a secret thing that you're devising for yourself with a certain purpose. Yeah, I think that can be a really magical thing to do. <laughs> I agree. What a great challenge as well. Thank you so much, Annalene. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today.
Good sister. Radio Reefer. And that was Annaline Leger's song of choice, Still Am Tressen by Bochren and De Club of Gore. Next, we have 76-year-old Devon-born and bred Leonard Spiller, who has been farming his whole life and seems to have not a care in the world. Here's Leonard. I'd love it if you'd like to introduce yourself for the radio. Oh, I'm... Leonard Spiller. I live at Headland's Farm, Yarkham, that's Hunting Devon. Mm-hmm. I've been here, I was born here, sent me six years ago, the 13th of January. 13th of January? I'm the 19th of January. Oh, you are? So Capricorns together. That's right, yeah, <laughs> yes. That, you know, work, we work hard. Yes, and we've always been in farming. My father bought the farm in 1940, and I was born in 1945. So the farm's been going for about 80 years then? Yeah, in 1970. Three, my father had cancer of the pancreas, and uh, you know, he, firstly, he didn't know he lived about six months. So, mm. I took out this arm with my mother. Then, my family mm. with my mother. Then, for about uh, twenty years, and unfortunately, she died mm. uh, about twenty years ago. So, I've been, you know, myself ever since. You know, mm. it's such that I couldn't really afford to pay anyone. So, so I did more or less the farm it myself. You know, so I'm you've been here alone for a long time. Yeah, working on the farm. Yeah, that's well. well I I got a sister. She comes up twice a week or so. You know, Great. and fortunately I in computer. You know that yeah. there. No one brought up with used computers. You know. Have you got a computer now? No, I haven't got one. No, that now. Don't need one. <laughs> no, I well, I don't. I don't know. I don't really need one. I don't yeah. really tend to have one. That really because yeah. there's too much of this online fraud. The things that's going on now. Yeah. So rather than looking at a screen because that's not my job my job is out outdoors you know mm-hmm. with my animals and whatever it's doing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you so you've been here for 70 was it 76, 76, 76 years, yeah. years. Yeah. did you did you ever think to move away or did you have you always felt just great here well i did think about moving away you know for 30 40 years ago i thought but you know then but then you know now at the moment with this you know Covid, you know, now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> got nice home spaces, you don't worry about wearing masks here, you know, not now, so mm. glad I, I am here now, you know, because yeah. I'm glad I am out here, mm. you know, it's mm. more healthy, you mm. know. Totally. Now, yeah. What kind of animals do you look after here then? Well, well, the whole dairy replacements, Alstom Friesians, but I did, I was milking cows for 22 years, you know, Friesians, and of course, you know, unless you, you are in a, a big way, you know, supplying 2,000 litres a day, you know, the cost of it, you know, you've got forced out, like, inside went, went into beef then, and growing grown corn then for 15, 20 years, and then take year by year, you know. Yeah, year by year, that's so great. Now, at the moment, you know, I've gone out, so long as I'm fit and healthy, I can go out and do it, that's okay, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not what about What about this life do you, do you love? Well, I suppose... Uh, this year on freedom out, stop when you like, start when you like, do what you like, when you like, you know. And all this are nine to fives and all these holiday things, don't they, you know? Mm-hmm. The freedom, the freedom of farm life. Yeah, that's right, yeah, you can come and go, you know, you and Zach is tied by uh, a certain time, you know. I've, I've never went out for, you know, for other things, not really, not mm-hmm. for going out to pubs and stuff like that, not socialising too much like that. Yeah, it's, you're not into socialising out and about? Not now, yeah. I don't, when I was younger, I used to be in with the, yeah, young farmers, you know, club, mm-hmm. clubs then, yeah. Mm-hmm. But once I, you know, later on, you know, I, just, I didn't really, yeah. That's amazing. So do you think, do you think you've got a good work-life balance then? Oh, yes, yes. I yeah. think so anyway. Yeah, I should rather have farming back, you know, well, when I started, so. 40, 50 years ago, you know, we didn't 
there's too much, too many other people, you know, sort of saying what you should do and what you shouldn't do. They, they're making up too many, so many rules and regulations you had to abide by, where we'd never had none of that before. You go and do what you want, they should be doing, and rather than, you know, looking through pieces of paper and say, you know, you could do it with a paper form. That was fair enough. I could do that. I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. nothing changed from year to year as such. Then you had to supposed to do it all online. They weren't going to accept that unless <laughs> you do it online, you know. You haven't got a computer. So. No. Doing, you know, I mean, I've been here all my life. So I know it's all about the land and everything. I don't want some someone else coming and telling me what I should be doing or not doing. Yeah, I hear you. It sounds like you really, really value your freedom. Well, yeah, well, I do. Every time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, you know, going to be all in a hurry. You know, they ain't got time for that. I'd love to hear what your average day looks like. What do you do when you wake up in the morning till you when you go to bed? Well, I mean, when I get me a cup of tea and a biscuit, couple of biscuits. And what then, sort of time in the morning? Well, that'd be about half past six in the morning and you know, I do a few other things and remember to tidy in, you know, mm -hmm. up in the house and now it goes out by half past seven and do the young stock, see, you know, what I got and see them around, walk around, around the, you know, check the fences and that and then nine o'clock, come in about nine o'clock and has me breakfast and, and uh, you know, now he goes out doing any jobs from the, you know, fencing or whatever, you know, he's doing or re repairing machinery or, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. doing some service service and my tractors and mm -hmm, things like mm -hmm. that. All my tractors now, the older ones, you can do it yourself, but some of the modern ones, now you've got a program into a computer, like you had these new modern cars, now you can't do nothing unless you <laughs> find fault, though yeah. I might have been doing that and whatever, you know, because... Mr. Brady comes up, you know, if he mm -hmm, wants to mm -hmm. take some animals home or mm -hmm. anything, you know, and whatever your needs doing to them, they sort of judge whatever comes up during mm -hmm, the day. Mm -hmm. so, and then, when, so what time do you usually finish working? Well, I mean, I generally come in to five, half past five, maybe ten, because they yeah. get like to see the local West Country and the BBC, you know, news down there, and then come out again at seven o'clock, come in, can feed up for you, the young stock again, so, you know. Yeah. It's a busy day then. Oh yeah, and might come, come in any time about half past eight. And this time of the year, you know, it'd be half past eight, nine o'clock, it's like that. And there's Kate Humble's there on, you know, when which they're doing it with the countryside and. Yeah, and that's it, a good show, isn't it? And yeah. On Fridays is Gardeners World. Do you watch That's Gardeners right, yeah, World? I'll tell you that. They were until that comes on 9 o'clock, so you know, yeah. now. So what time do you usually go to bed then? Well, it might be 11 o'clock probably time okay, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, well, there's some days a week, Sundays as well, because i got wow. animals around you. we still got to go around on Sundays, because they, right. they got their time in the morning. They know it's the time to be fed in. You live so, by their clock almost. Well, yeah, yeah. Wow, what a life. Do, do, do you think being outside promotes a greater sense of well-being for you? Well, I should think so, yeah. In what way do you yeah. think? What, and how? Well, I mean, you, you've got your own freedom, haven't you? I mean, everybody, you know, driving, you know, so on the roads these days, you know, we've got patients, patient, they'd be all in a hurry to go somewhere. I don't know, call that pleasure, and doing driving. Mm -hmm. Some of the people now, perhaps they enjoy it, but coming right up the Midlands, right down here now, over there, you know, for the holiday. Mm -hmm, I would, mean, mm -hmm, yeah. I thought, well, I'd them off here, you know, yeah. I mean, do what you like in your own time now, totally you know. Yeah. Do you have any dreams or goals for the farm? Well, I mean, well, not, not now. I mean, only now because I'm here on my own. There's only if my sister will have it, you know, any time. I haven't left it to no, not really. No, I don't know what will happen then, you mm, know. Mm. Well, it's not big enough. There's only 58 acres, you know, really. And, you know, I, I just take it one year from the next. I don't mm, know, mm, you know, totally. what's, what's going to be on. What do you think, because obviously you love this life. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you've got a lot from this life. Yeah. And 
it sounds like you've got a lot from being outdoors a lot yeah. and having that freedom. Could you imagine another life doing something else? Well, to be outdoor thing, you know, to, and like building work or, or things like mm -hmm. that. I've mm -hmm. never going that to work in a store mm -hmm. or a mm -hmm. shop or nothing like that. I've never worked in things mm -hmm. like that. I, mm -hmm. You know, I'd be like, doing manual work, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, nice. Would you say that you're living close to nature then? Well, yes, I suppose you are, really. You can't be yeah. much closer, can you? Not really. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. no thing in, in, in the morning or in, going around and see what, on a nice sunny day, you see what is out around and see in the springtime what is, you know, coming up, sort of plant, plants and flowers mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, and look, you look forward to, mm -hmm. it, um, like in April, you know, to see the swallows arrive, you know. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. You know, and that's yeah. just, you, know, you miss them when they go in September. They generally go beginning of September, and then the sky's all empty then, you know, look mm. forward to them, you know, and the yeah. other things that you go around, you see the rabbits, you see it got a few hairs out around here, they, they in the sun, nice to be out, out, mm -hmm. out sort of walking around mm -hmm, and things, mm -hmm. and things, you know. It's, it sounds like you are very close to and aware of the cycle of life and nature and oh, yeah. knowing when things are happening in yeah. different parts of the year and yeah. do you look forward to certain things happening every year? Well, yeah, well, yes, you look forward to it going around, yes, give something more interest, doesn't it, really, you know? So you're, the variety in your life is, is would you say it's based on well, the yes, surroundings that, and Well, nature? yes, it is a variety, you've got the seasons for everything, you know, you're not doing the same thing, you know, day in, day out, year mm -hmm. in, year out, you know, you've got your varied things around you know you've yeah. got to work with the weather now you that's a, certainly different when I, I was here when i came here well when i was hit born then I, we started off with just a cart horse and you know back in the, the 1950 sounds yeah. like you're very busy always something to do yeah yeah like that, and you grow your own fruit and you grow yeah. your own vegetables yeah well. that most of yeah, most mm -hmm. of that i do yeah mm -hmm. i still do that I, yeah at the moment yeah so you're mainly sort of self-sustaining yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah that's what I wouldn't like going and buying out every all vegetables. Not now, you know. Mm -hmm. You got to go in, in supermarket get some things, but not, not. I wouldn't like want to go in there like buy cabbages and broccoli. You know, no yeah. pressure. So seventy six years at the farm. Yeah. Would you have it any other way? No, not really. Not here. Not really. Not now. You know. Not really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. No, no. Um, when I interview people for the radio, I always ask them to set the audience a challenge. Do you have any ideas? Well, I mean, respect your country, so yes, you know, you know, keep to the footpaths and things like that. And I Great, respect the countryside. <laughs> Lennon, thank you so much. It's that's been a, such an amazing... Well, this it might be interesting to someone. That's okay, yeah. Just a bit of a break from the we don't get people like Leonard Spiller knocking about much nowadays, eh? It was fantastic to cross the various fields from our recording ranch in Devon to pop in on Leonard and ask if he was up for being on the radio. How about that for true country living? And now it's time for our final guest, who is the last, but certainly not the least, Tanzi Adair, a mindfulness practitioner with a lot of love and groundedness to give. Here's Tanzi. Tanzi Adair, yoga teacher, mindfulness coach and EFT practitioner who specialises in transformational work. Tanzi supports people to bring awareness to the present moment and create equilibrium within mind and body. Tanzi Adair, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? 
I'm good, yeah. It's a very hot, sunny day today. I'm really enjoying that summery weather at last. I'm absolutely loving the sunshine. I'm like, yeah. Amazing. Oh, so you've come in to talk to us a little bit about mindfulness. And actually, it's something that I'm really excited to talk to you about because finally, I've come to find it myself. So before we go on to that, I'd love to hear from you how you found mindfulness and when and how it helped you. Okay, thank you. Um, So it was several several years ago I I mean it's been a sort of if I'm totally honest it's been an up and down um relationship with mindfulness so I actually started meditation late teens oh I had a rocky relationship with meditation in my late teens I used to really resist I used to hate it like there was I had a whole thing and the biggest change for me was when I went on a 10-day silent meditation retreat. It was pretty intense to be honest but it was like incredible. After sort of the first hour of being there they sort of bring down the silence as such where then there's like literally no speaking or communicating with the other participants and I was having a bit of a rough time myself and I was like I was a warrior. I mean I, I was a warrior sort of from school really and an overthinker. So sort of going into that space where there's like no phones nobody that you can speak with but I remember this one meditation and I was sat there and it was like two and a half hours and my back literally there was fire in my back it was so incredibly painful and I was like I was like raging (laughs) and then I went into my body and rather than resisting this pain I went into the pain and sort of got curious about it and it completely changed like it was phenomenal rather than resisting the present moment and going into all the meaning of the thoughts and all the different things happening in my head and just becoming fully aware of the present moment and allowing what was there in that moment was pain and rather than bringing judgment to it and kind of this resistance or this somehow like it shouldn't be there I went into it and honestly it felt completely different like it totally changed and started to disperse wow And I remember coming back into London, getting off the train at Paddington and like walking through and I walked down the street that I'd walked down loads of times before and I saw these trees and honestly, I was like, the trees are so beautiful. (laughs) But like, I think what was happening was I was actually fully seeing for the first time, like rather than being on an automated that we often go on to, we sort of go through, Mm. we see everything through this automated lens of like seen it before. I was seeing it fully, fully, fully as it was in that moment, without any judgment or conceptualization of what was happening. And it it allowed for so much more peace and joy. But mindfulness really is just about becoming fully aware of this moment that we have right now. So much of the time we're pulled, but the mindfulness really is coming to this moment right now, letting go of anything that's come before, letting go of any ideas or thoughts of what might happen or might not happen next. And just allowing yourself to fully experience everything that is in this moment without resistance, without judgment. And through that process, in my experience, honestly, you find this like wealth of joy and like ease and contentment. And the other thing that I found, and this is something that everybody can use, when you come home to the present moment, there is never actually a problem. So when I'm stressed, when I start to feel anxious or stressed, What's happening usually is I'm identifying with thoughts in my head. So the brain doesn't know the difference between what's really happening and what you're imagining to be happening, right? So if I'm imagining a situation where I'm going to go into a meeting and I feel very stressed about this meeting, for example, 
my brain will start sending the chemicals into the body as if it's already happening, right? So then I become more and more stressed because chemically what's happening in my body is exactly the same as if it's already happening. Mm. And that the, the, the part of the brain that this actually stems from is like many hundreds, 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 hundreds of years ago when, you know, we were actually running from like, you know, the saber tooth tiger or whatever it may have been, but from these like full dangers and it was a survival mechanism. But nowadays, it's not so useful for us because what happens when the stress hormones kick in, parts of our brain and parts of our body are starting to shut down to give priority to the parts of our body and brain that are going to get us out of that situation alive. So basically, like in the present moment, there never really is a problem. Like when you're really fully in it, because... The problem comes from the identification with these kind of thoughts or worries or these perceived threats that we might have, like, oh my God, am I going to get the sack? Or is this going to happen? Or is this going to happen? But in the actual moment, when you connect in, you get into your body, you feel into your body and you feel what is present, all of that dissipates. There is no, like, suffering. What about the moments when, for example, you do lose the job? So in those moments, I mean... I think the most important thing, and I think this can often be misconstrued, I think people think sometimes with like meditation and mindfulness, practices like this, that you have to kind of avoid negative emotion. I would totally disagree. And I'd say you have to allow it through. Feel the grief, feel the frustration, feel all the feelings that you may feel as a result of that, the disappointment. Let it come through your body, but don't attach story to it. Don't attach more meaning to it. Like it also means that I'm rubbish. I'm not good enough. I'm Mm -hmm. worthless because that is where like the suffering and the rumination come. And that feeling will continue for days and days and days and weeks and months and years. It's so important to feel the feeling, the emotion and allow it through like emotion in motion that the feeling needs to move through us. Right. Mm -hmm. They did a study, they did a scientific study with anger, actually, and that the chemicals, like the, the, the actual what's biologically happening in your body with anger, moves through you within 90 seconds, if you allow it, right? 90 seconds, that's like a minute and a half. But so many of us, and me at different points in my life, you know, that anger will ruminate like for like days, you know? But mm. what's happening then is we're like refueling it. It's like we keep, we're trying to put the fire out, but we keep putting the wood on. And the adding the story and the meaning and constantly doing that, you're just stoking that fire. Whereas if you just allow it through, you'll feel completely different once it's fully through you and you're back to the sort of what's existing right here, right now. Tansy, I feel like I've learned so much already. I'm wondering whether you'd be interested in perhaps doing a short meditation practice for the listeners. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. If your mind starts to sort of wander, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to resist it. Because as soon as you become aware of the thoughts, you then can make the choice to refocus and allow the thoughts to kind of be there in the background without attaching to them or going down the road of that thought. So you can just keep bringing your awareness back to your breath. If you're driving, obviously, don't don't do this. Listen to the replay. But if, if you're not, then just find a comfortable position and just close your eyes. And just take a really deep breath in, placing your hands on your stomach and really breathing into your belly. And as you breathe out, you're going to allow that breath out to be longer than the in-breath. 
And again, taking another deep breath in, breathing into your belly, feeling it expand. And as you breathe out, just feeling the belly retract, elongating that breath out. And on the next breath in, just breathe in everything that nourishes you, letting it fill your body up. And as you breathe out, just imagine letting go of everything that no longer serves you, just releasing it from your body. Just take another deep breath like that, breathing in all that nourishes you. Breathing out everything that no longer serves you. And just bring your attention to your face, the muscles in your forehead, your eyebrows. And just notice any tension there and allow it to soften. On the breath out, just release any holding that you might have there. And as you breathe in, breathe in relaxation. And as you breathe out, just release any holding or tension in your jaw or your cheeks. all the muscles in the back of your head down your neck letting that relaxation spread through your shoulders down your arms down into your hands and as you breathe out releasing any holding that you might find there and breathing in feeling into your chest notice any sensations and just soften all the muscles around your upper back and your chest moving down to your abdomen feeling the rise and fall as you breathe in and out and just soften any holding as you breathe in, really fill your body with relaxation. And as you breathe out, just release any tension or any holding. Moving down through the pelvic area, softening through those muscles. Moving down the legs, down into the feet. And just really relaxing, deeply relaxing through the muscles in the legs. Feeling the feet on the soil, on the earth, wherever you may be. And just notice the sensations that are in your body right now. Notice the aliveness that flows through you. And I just want to remind you that you do not need to be anything more 
than you are to be worthy of love. And that your worthiness and your belonging, they are non-negotiable. You are incredible just the way you are. So I want to remind you as you blink open your eyes to keep shining your light as brightly as possible, no matter what. So just take in the surroundings and set an intention to touch back in, to connect back into that present moment throughout the day. Lovely. <laughs> I love that. I, I actually did it as I went along, oh, which was good. great. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you, Tansy, for doing that. I really hope that some of the listeners benefited from that. I certainly did. I've actually been really getting into mindfulness recently, and it's amazing what it's done for me. Oh, good. Yeah, it's really helped me to do things that I would initially have normally been really afraid of doing, yeah. um, which is amazing. I feel kind of very powerful at the moment. So, I, yeah, I'd really recommend that people go for it and give it more of a go if they liked that that three minutes. A hundred percent. And I think like there are so many sites, like if people are sort of looking for like they want the science to back it up, there are so many scientific studies now showing how like it improves people like their, their overall well-being, whether that be their immune, like strengthens the immune system. Like, I mean, there are so, so, so many benefits. Amazing. I love it. How can listeners find out more about, about you and your, what you do? Um, it's probably best to go to my website at www.balanceyogaeft.com. And yeah, I update the courses that I'm running and the dates on there, or they can also find me on Insta. Great. Any courses coming up? Um, I've got a few workshops through the summer. I've got a course that's just started, but there'll be other dates available. Thank you so much, Tansy. Before we go, the last thing I usually ask the guests is to set the audience a challenge. And I'm wondering if you have one. I do. Can I set two, actually? Go for it. Okay, so one would be to get out in nature every day like Lovely. whether that be literally walking through a park or going to I don't know if you're lucky enough to have some woods or a beach nearby going there and just literally giving yourself five minutes to just feel the air on your face smell the smells that are around like you can do a mindfulness senses walk which literally just means that you hear the sounds and that's where your focus is you smell the smells and that's where your focus is and you really allow yourself to be fully present walking feeling the feelings of being in that surrounding and the the challenge that I actually sort of pre-prepped was um a gratitude practice so I'd say a 10-day gratitude practice so three things that you're grateful for in the morning and three things that you're grateful for in the evening. I would also really, really encourage you to get your loved ones involved, get people that you live with involved. Um, it's really nice to do it as a sort of community together with other people. I would also encourage people to go for the small and the big things. Allow like yourself to be grateful for the taste of the cup of tea, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And make sure that you actually feel that feeling of, appreciation and gratitude in your body because what it does is it releases loads of neurochemicals all the happy ones oxytocin dopamine that make us feel really good so when you actually really allow yourself to feel 
back gratitude, mm. it actually changes how we feel. Tansy Adair, what a great interview. I feel like I've learned so much and I come out feeling even more calm than I came in. Um, okay. For anyone listening, just a reminder, the website is balanceyogaeft.com. And that's how you can find out more about Tansy Adair and all that she offers to us. Thank you so much, Tansy. Thank you so much. And that's all we have time for. This has been Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. You can check out our Instagram, Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, to find out more about our guests or get in touch to let us know how you got on with the challenges. Welcome to the club, one and all. I've been Billy. Have a beautiful month. For the surging main, rich red long for the plough. Devon's the fount of the bravest blood that braces England's breed. Her maidens are fair as the apple bud, and her men are men indeed. When Adam and Eve were his possessed of a garden hard by heaven. They planted another one down in the west. Was Devon, was Devon, glorious Devon. Sister. Right here, Reefo.